Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy. And you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, and so I watch them so that you don't have to. And we've got a great one for you today, folks. But before we get into it, We've got a little bit of haunted housekeeping, haunted housekeeping, (laughs) which is that we are doing our very first live show, which is crazy. Our first (laughs) one ever. Our first one ever in Toronto at the Just for Laughs Festival. I, what is it? At uh, Sunday, the 25th at 4 p.m. It Mm -hmm. is indeed. Mm hmm. It's going to be the, truly the most scared I've ever been on the podcast. Ever in my life. <laughs> I'm going to be absolutely terrified. <laughs> so if you it's are in the great. Toronto area or in nearby, Di- and you dying wanna, to and go, come, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Last, check minute, us out. last minute Canadian adventure. It also, we will put it live on our feed. Not live. You get how podcasts work, how this works. You're listening yes, right now. Yeah, you know you'll listen to it. It'll so we'll up. put it out. If you don't live in Toronto, you still get to listen to. You listen to us and hopefully you'll hear Sammy and Henley speaking and not being too scared to speak. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to get a couple words in, hopefully. You're going to be fine. You're going to be great. We've got beta blockers on mm-hmm. our side. We've got beta blockers. It's going to be an absolute thrill. We're going to be joined by Lisa Gilroy, um, who is hilarious and wonderful. And it's going to be a great time. And we're going to be talking about Final Destination 2. So if you are going to come... And you feel if you can check that one person, out. watch it beforehand. I've got a lot to say about it. It's <laughs> pretty wild time. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. But OK, other than the fact that we're going to Toronto this weekend, did anything mm-hmm. scary happen to us this week? Um, well, mine is mine is somewhat related to us going into Toronto in that um, we we really didn't think we were going to get into this festival um, and I didn't want to no. um, didn't want to believe too hard. And so um I was sort of just sitting on the fact that my passport was expired and then so I have to get my passport <laughs> expedited and the way they make you do that is real they're really ramping up the anxiety because you must wait until you are within 2 weeks of your trip. Mm-hmm. They do not let you even come in the doors. They don't even like they don't even give you information over the phone if you call them if you say your travel is in more than 2 weeks. So I do I was able to get an appointment to get my passport expedited. Thankfully there is an office in LA. I'm doing it tomorrow. They said it'll be good by the trip, but it really all I was just like, well, I hope I hope I'm going to Toronto because I don't know if they'll <laughs> let me. And I guess I got very lucky because um, a friend of mine was telling me when she had to get a passport expedited, uh, they told her the only available appointment was in Hawaii. <laughs> and she was oh. like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. What? I just heard. Wait, I heard a very similar story recently. Truly a couple weeks ago, a guy I tangentially know flew to Puerto Rico 
to get Insane. his passport expedited. Then flew back. Oh, I had no idea what a to-do it was. See, wow. I was like, oh, there's a passport office in LA. Great. I'll just call them within my two weeks. And I was definitely anxious about it, but I didn't that know that. Really, that would have really sucked. That, that would have really, really also really amped sucked. up your anxiety if you knew that beforehand. Yeah. Not, knock on knock on wood because the appointment is tomorrow. So let's not get to Okay. You. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, um, we'll, but anyway, it's going to be fine and it's going to be great. And, and if I have to fly to Puerto Rico, I will. And, uh, and then we're going to go to travel. <laughs> Busy week. Uh, Busy, busy week. week. Um, the scary thing for me this week is that I've come to the age where my peers are writing novels and doing so <laughs> successfully and actually written ah, the multiple, age we all reach. <laughs> multiple <laughs> novels. <laughs> um, and so I kind of am on this kick now where I've started just reading books that have been written by people that I know, which is wow. a weird experience. And so right now I'm reading... All the books that Anna Petoniak has written, she worked at Random House when I worked there. She was an editor uh, while I was a book publicist. It was my first job out of college. And she was like secretly writing her first novel before Secretly? Work, you know? Um, she was like one of those people. And uh, it's called The Futures. And I just finished that one as well as her second book, Necessary People. Both of them are so good. I flew through them. You guys will hate to know that there is a blurb from Stephen King for Necessary People. <laughs> he it. loved it. So I was a little bit like, Anna, I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> um, but they're they're so they're so wonderful. And it's just so like inspiring to read something written when you know the author. It's very cool. It's really exciting. That's very cool. Yeah. And I was and I so there's another girl that I went to college with that I don't know that well, but she's also just came out with her second book. And I'm going to read both of hers. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, like, I, this is the only way I want to read novels now. It's like, wow. I just know these people kind of personally. It helps to like narrow down the selection pool. <laughs> yeah, there are too many options. You know, there's too, too many options. I don't know anybody that's written a novel, so I must be younger than you. Yeah, you're <laughs> I'm not at that age decade. yet. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those classic milestones that we just have yet to yet to reach. I feel like so jealous of them, and so, but the jealousy is truly outweighed by like feeling very inspired, feeling yeah. like, wow, they did this. That's amazing. That's cool. That that's is healthy. so cool. That's healthy yeah, for you. So. <laughs> Um, I don't know. That's it. Cool. I wrote those names down. I'm gonna I'm gonna read those books. Maybe. I mean, I'm, no promises, but I, I might <laughs> read them. Anna's are great. Wow, is that a burn to your other friend? <laughs> I haven't read hers. I haven't read Hannah's. Yet. Hannah's are great. <laughs> so we'll wait to we'll comment we'll wait on to, those. We'll wait okay. see, yeah. Um. Well, I'll tell you what I have been reading, and I'm not happy about it. I have become a person. It just recently, this past week, that is starting to use subtitles on all TV. All TV? Yes. Oh, I do that. A lot of people yes, do it. And I've always judged those people saying, you don't need subtitles. It's in English. And now I need them. I what don't know. It's just like captions? I miss. Yeah. Just captions. Yeah, captions. Okay. Sure. A lot of people do that. The people love to say, I can't. What is it? I can't hear without my subtitles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What is it? What is it that everybody says? <laughs> people say it. People say it. Okay, but, but actually, I feel like has 
okay, I actually was just about to realize it's maybe that we're getting older, but I was like, I was about to say, has sound changed? <laughs> because I feel like sometimes they're not concerned on TV shows with you hearing every word. It's true. Some things are mixed poorly. I also think my TV maybe has bad speakers again, or maybe we're reaching that age. Reaching that age where our friends are writing novels and TV is not mixed. Sound has changed. Um, but I'm also watching the new Game of Thrones show, House of the Dragon, and they're just the jargon in there is I'm not understanding any of it without subtitles, you know? Mm, yeah. It's too so, complicated. Like all the name picking up it all just the names. Helps. It really it helps just to be able helps. to read. You know what? I think it's good. I like that you're at a place in your life where you're like, you know what? This will help me. And so I'm gonna do it. I'm just not gonna struggle. It. I don't need to struggle. I wanna enjoy the thing that I've chosen to do more. And and it's like to me, that's like a little bit like um when people need to use like flashlights on menus where it's like, God, that's embarrassing. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. I want to see the menu. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like a, for me, it's a milestone to hit a point in your life where you're like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not embarrassed by needing things. See, I think I'm still in the trans transition phase of still being a little bit embarrassed by it. Okay. Like I'm not You'll get fully there. comfortable yet. But yes, I'm okay. on my way. I think I'm coming to terms with it now. Talking to you guys about it is helping me come more to terms with it. Yeah, you're being it. honest about it. And that's being a really about good step. It. I'm no longer doing it in secret. Mm -hmm. yeah, like how I'm bad. writing my novel. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is the new me and I will embrace it in time, I'm sure. I think you will in time and it's on it. It'll be on your time, you know? That's right. Okay. Speaking of embracing things. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Nailed it. Let's talk about this week's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which you watched. Excuse Which us. I watched. Ooh, yes, wee. I did. I was the brave one this week. Um, the movie that we will be recapping is 1997's Anaconda. <laughs> it's directed by Louise Yosa, written by Hans Bauer, Jim Cash, Jack and it stars John Voight, Jennifer Lopez, Eric Stoltz, Ice Cube, Jonathan Hyde, Owen Wilson, Carrie Werher, Vincent Castellanos, and Danny Trejo. And wow. this week, I know you guys, the cast, the cast. Damn! This week, we are joined by a guest named Wes Larson. He is a wildlife biologist and host of the Tooth and Claw podcast. Wes, I hope you have so much to say about anacondas. I have a lot, have a lot to say. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, Wes, welcome. welcome. Thank you. As we, yeah. we mentioned yeah. just before starting recording, coolest job I think I've ever heard of anyone having yeah, ever yeah. in the world. It's like a... It's like a child dream job and you did it yeah it kind of you is did it's, it. it's one did of those it. things like eight-year-old me would probably be like all right you know yeah you did it yeah yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah can you tell us what it means to be a wildlife biologist yeah, like what are you do? what are you yeah. doing <laughs> so i specialize in bears um i started God. yeah i started with uh polar bears in alaska and then black bears in utah moved on to sloth bears in india right before the pandemic Wow. And then that kind of got shut down because of COVID. And then uh, yeah. I worked with Golden Eagles for a little bit. And then I got into grizzly bears. And that's what I'm working with now in Yellowstone. Wow. So, yeah. so but what's, what is like a day on the job? Yeah. yeah. So Sorry, I'm so fascinated. <laughs> so cool. I'm, I do bears mostly. What? Yeah, you know, I dabble in bears. Uh, <laughs> this, this current job that I have is a lot of different things. Uh, it's in the national parks. So like 
A lot mm. of it's just visitor management and making sure people are behaving the right way in the park. Yep. Um, mm. But then if we have bears that are too close to human developments or too close to potential food sources, uh, anything that can get them in trouble, I'll go in and actually like haze the bear away from those places. Oh, wow. So that involves anything from like just honking my horn at it to getting out and I have a shotgun that has beanbag rounds and I'll hit it with those. Oh my uh, God. There's a lot of different <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's an exciting job and like, Every once in a while we catch bears and we collar them for research purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that yesterday. We caught a 500 pound grizzly bear. Holy I still shit. smell like grizzly bear right oh now. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. How do you catch so, a 500 pound grizzly bear? How's that It's even really work? tricky. And, and we use this, this team really for yeah. <laughs> yeah. I call it tricky. <laughs> we have a... We have a team from uh, the United States Geological Service, USGS, and they, that's all they do is trap grizzlies. And they come in and we help them set traps. You put a lot of dead meat out. You put a lot of scents out. Um, you have a really big culvert trap. It's just like a big barrel. And then there's like an elk leg in there. And the bear gets in there and when what? it pulls on that elk leg, it makes the door fall down. Whoa. And then when you, yeah, then you sedate the bear and pull it out and put the collar on it and everything. But it's, it's dangerous and tricky and it's... Whoa. A real experience. Really dangerous. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. dangerous. Yeah. So we did that yesterday. And then I got home and watched Anaconda. Oh, great. <laughs> and, and it was just like you were right back in nature. Yeah, boy, I, I felt like I was right back there. <laughs> so realistic. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we might have just stumbled upon your answer, but did anything scary happen to you this week? <laughs> so I, I have a different answer, actually. Okay, okay. Um, sure. One thing that we, we do as well is... Uh, if a big animal dies in the park, it draws so many predators that mm. um, if that's in a place where it's like really visible or where it's going to cause big traffic jams and stuff, we'll actually go in and grab the dead carcass and move it somewhere else. And oh, we had wow. gotten a, a report of a carcass in the river, like right by the road. And so we thought we'd have to go move it. And me and one of my coworkers went in and we couldn't find it. We walked to where <gasps> it had been reported, but oh, we found like some pieces of it. So we knew it had been there. And there's grizzly tracks uh, everywhere. And so we were kind of oh like, God. all right, you know, this carcass was here, but it's not here anymore. We figured a bear had drug it up into the woods. And so we drove this little kind of side road up there that was a closed road that we had access to and parked way past where we thought the carcass would be. Oh, my God. Um, to try and walk around. And, and that's a really dangerous situation because when a bear's on a carcass, it's really like keyed up and, yeah. and angry and it's trying to defend it from other bears. So they kind of treat us Ooh. like they treat other bears. So we start walking in toward this carcass and like 10, maybe 10 yards into our walk, this big bear pops up like 40 yards away. And I just go bear. <laughs> my supervisor who's been there a long time and really knows grizzly bears really well just immediately turned around and walked to the truck and he's like oh, we're out of here oh yeah. my god and luckily that bear didn't charge or anything but i think had i not seen it and we had it gone like another 10 yards it, it might have charged us so that was <gasps> like shit. it's one of those ones that gets your heart beating a little bit but a little bit yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would be i might die just <laughs> Right there? Yeah, it's almost yeah. as scary as using subtitles. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I'm still, I'm flashing back to that time I made too much soup. <laughs> the scariest moment of my life. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, I yeah. think that probably takes the cake as Truly the scariest, scariest thing that's ever been ever talked about here on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, by that, far. That's a grizzly bear. Which That's is like grizzly. the scariest bear, yeah. right? Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're much more aggressive, much more unpredictable than black bears. 
And really, and bigger? Yeah, much bigger, um, just much more dangerous all around. So they're the ones we have to be careful about when we're out. They're the ones that we're constantly looking for. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Wow. I'm. I'm. It's gonna be really hard for me not to get so distracted by wanting to know <laughs> literally everything about your life. Um. But what's your relationship to scary movies? Generally I speaking, love scary movies. I like growing up. My parents didn't really let us watch them. I would see trailers and they would really scare me. I would just get scared for weeks. Couldn't sleep. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't ever think I would get into them. But then probably like ten years ago, I started watching them. And they've kind of, it's kind of become my favorite genre. Like they're the movies that make me feel something. Mm-hmm. So I really, really like them. Um, yeah. And around this time of year, that's like, I start Best easing into that where I only watch scary movies for about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just kind of picking up. Do you remember wh- uh, what like got you back into it 10 years ago? What was, what opened the doors I, again or no particular thing? I feel like it, you know, it might even been a little longer than that, but. I don't really know what it was. I just started watching them and and just really enjoyed it. I feel like, yeah, with this podcast is when I started really watching a lot of horror movies. And I feel like the more you watch, the more you like them. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love them. So I I, I'm always looking for a new one that that really gets my my heart racing. And yeah. And luckily, I I do still get scared by them, which I think is kind of the Mm -hmm. the point. So, yeah. Is there a specific type of horror movie that's your favorite? I like a really claustrophobic horror movie or I like, yeah, I really like ones that are like a single setting that you're in Mm -hmm. that setting the entire movie. A 10 Cloverfield Mm -hmm. lane. Yeah, exactly. The thing, the thing is probably my (laughs) all time favorite. It's so good. Yeah. So I think that's probably if that, if there was like a sub genre, that would be it. And then my Mm -hmm. next one would be like dark comedy horror mm-hmm. like ready or not is one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorites too even that though that's a, a relatively new one a yeah. One. yeah so fun Ooh. claustrophobia that's a perfect way to describe some of these films that's yeah. a yeah. that should be its own genre that's it <laughs> i mean truly yeah. the first time i saw the descent i didn't know what the thing was that there was even a monster aspect of it and it starts with just the claustrophobia of Splunking and going is really scary enough. Scary enough. enough. I was like, "This is the scariest movie I've ever seen." (laughs) Yeah, that's a great one. So good. So, what's your relationship to this one? Because Anaconda, you know, gotta say. So the way the way the podcast is set up, I'm definitely the scariest or the scared most scaredy cat, like Uh scariest. Scariest. (laughs) <laughs> do not like horror movies generally. I mean, even though sometimes I really do. Um, and this one I chose because I knew that I would be able to handle it. It helps. It's it's PG-13. It's 1997. <laughs> it's J-Lo. Yeah, these are all things that are really putting you at ease. <laughs> putting me at ease. But what is your relationship to Anaconda? This movie came out when I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade. And I remember seeing it in the theaters and just absolutely loving it. I've mm-hmm. always been like really into reptiles, uh, really into all animals, but reptiles especially were kind of always near the top of the list. It was like <laughs> sharks, bears, reptiles kind of thing. And <laughs> um, so for me, I saw this in the theater. I absolutely loved it. I probably went and saw it again and then didn't watch it for a long time. And honestly, it's probably it'd probably been like 20 years since I'd seen this movie and then I watched it yesterday. I was like, well, this is a terrible movie. <laughs> so I think it's it's safe to say my feelings have changed on it quite a bit. But um, yeah, I do. It's It was like kind of a, a one that was close to home for me. 
There's something sort of magical, I feel like, about that exact kind of movie that, like, you remember loving. Like, there's something that captures you in such a way at a very specific moment. Usually you're a child and you don't know what good movies are. Right. (laughs) But, like, and then even if you rewatch it and it's bad, there's still something, like, magical about that, too. I kind of, I kind of love it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. It was fun. I had a great time with it, but it's by no means a good movie. I really enjoyed myself. Well, I got it. Okay, so should we get into some trivia? Yeah, please. Okay, so um, I have to tell you, the internet agrees with that assessment, Wes. Um, There's a it has a four point eight on IMDb, which is that's fair, fine. But usually they're at least in the six the six range um, (laughs) of forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and then a six point nine on Metacritic. So interesting. I don't know. I actually didn't get box office information on this one. I didn't see it. I looked it, it up. So. Oh, you it, did? Oh, hell it yeah. Made, it made like $130 something million dollars wow. on a $45 million budget. So it was a big okay. success. And okay. I think that's why there are so many sequels. I was going to yeah. say, were there sequels? There were, and they're awful. <laughs> I got awful. I'm not familiar <laughs> with them. Those, those sequels never end up being better than what they started with and no. so that yeah it's pretty telling yeah uh, this this film is listed among the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made in nice. the golden raspberry award founder john wilson's book the official razzie movie guide oh great <laughs> <laughs> also a few other things the cgi for the anacondas cost a hundred thousand dollars per second wow Whoa. it looks like Damn. it cost twenty dollars per second <laughs> 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 i know cgi um, was a lot more expensive back then but god it's not it's not you, you great you don't see where that money went <laughs> no no that guy was embezzling or whoever did it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. per second, for sure that's what it costs <laughs> i spent that all on the snake yeah. <laughs> um the amazonian film shoot was occasionally disrupted by the fact that several cast members were deathly afraid of snakes it's like, very fake. funny that that wasn't covered in the <laughs> casting process or they weren't like, well, we just want to make sure that no one has. So it's so it's called Anaconda. Yeah. <laughs> What's this movie called? <laughs> River it just trip. feels like it can't be real. It can't be real. Um, during uh, the filming of one scene, the controls for the animatronic Anaconda shorted out, causing it to completely lose control. And some of the footage is included in the movie. I don't know where in the movie, but that's fun. Mm-hmm. There it is. And then just one more, which is maybe, Wes, you can fact check whether this is correct from IMDb (laughs) or not. But um, the anacondas in the film attack humans, but not each other. In real life, anacondas practice cannibalism. Female anacondas are known to consume smaller male anacondas. That is true. Yes. Um, Okay. They would be much more likely to attack another snake than to attack a human. Okay. Okay, yeah. great. Wow. Phew. Everyone yeah. can rest Love easy this. tonight, knowing. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you take a boat trip uh just the Amazon. Some snakes around. Wait, yeah. you know what snakes handy as bait. You know what I just remembered? That one jackass sketch, one of my favorites, Anaconda Ball Pit. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> Wait, what? That's yeah. so gnarly, but I mean they're definitely They put anacondas in a ball pit and then they all get in it. Taunting that anaconda. Yeah. That's on them. And they know that. Yeah, I think I think if pushed against a wall, it, it's probably, it'll probably go for you like anything. I think like the, the key here is knowing that an anaconda would definitely bite you. Like if yeah. you try and pick up an anaconda, it's it's going to bite you. There's a very good chance of it. Yep. Uh, it's not trying to kill you. It's not trying to eat you. It's just defending itself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they actually aren't 
like not to spoil this for people. They're not man eaters. They don't eat people, um, wow. but they will bite you and it, it'll really hurt. So yeah. as Johnny Knoxville found out. Are there snakes that will eat a human? There's there are, one, there? there's one species that's big enough. Um, they're called what? reticulated pythons and oh. they, they have eaten people whole. Um, there's a woman a few years ago, I think, uh, somewhere in Indonesia that they like found her sandals. She was gardening and then they found a snake nearby and it had a big bulge in it and they cut it open and she was inside. Oh my God. She was just gardening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So they, it does exist. It's super rare. It has to be a small person and a big snake. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but it, it has happened. Yes. Wow. Beefing up so that you can't get eaten by a snake. <laughs> I gotta bulk up. I, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta start lifting. It's not impossible that at some point an anaconda has eaten someone, but we don't have right. any record of it. They're big enough okay. that they could technically do it, but it's never happened like on record. But it probably wow. has at some point. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow, 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 Wes, you are Terrible. such a great guest. I am loving this. <laughs> oh my god. The whole time I was listening to your Jaws episode, I was like, oh, I want to talk to them about I wanna, sharks. I would chime in. I want to chime in. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah, we like, resident animal expert for every animal related. Yeah, whenever whenever you need me, I'm here. Damn. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. All I want to talk about is real life animal facts, but I suppose we need to we'll talk about this more. movie. Yeah. <laughs> let's watch the trailer. Oh my God. Let's watch the trailer. All right, everybody. Double check your gear. Make sure it's all on board. Pray you didn't forget your bug spray. On the rivers of the Amazon. Wow. It's unbelievable. This river can kill you in a thousand ways. In the waters of the anaconda. There's a legend. Shirishama worshiped giant snakes as gods, protectors. Snakes? No matter what you see. This skin is three or four years old. Whatever shed it has grown since then. No matter what you hear. What was that? There's something down there. That's right. I really mean it. I really mean it too. Faster, come on! No matter what you do. Oh my god. TriStar Pictures invites you on a journey into the grip of fear. Anaconda. That was incredible. Oh my God, John Voight. <laughs> Did you guys love every second? <laughs> oh my God. Adele Minute 2. Adele Minute 2. His accent in this movie. There's a legend. There's a legend that they wish to worship snakes. <laughs> oh my God. It's in like decipherable. <laughs> oh. It's insane. Yeah. My God. You need, this movie. you need subtitles for his character. Truly. Yeah. I had no idea what he was trying to do. Like his character in the movies from Paraguay. And so oh I was God. just like, they probably just threw, they probably were like, let's say he's from Paraguay because no one has any idea what accent <laughs> he's we, doing. Well, he's doing a thing. We, we can't change it now. Uh, just, you just try telling John to change that accent. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's like the accent that you do when you don't know how to do any accent. And you just, yes. it's like on the spot. Like you just, you, someone says do an you accent. Panic. Yeah. You just it's panic wonderful. and do whatever <laughs> just comes to mind. 
Wow. Holy crap. Uh, you guys so excited. I am <laughs> so excited. Also, I... Oh, God. Owen Wilson. Yeah. J-Lo. The, the most important thing to keep in mind about this movie is that it's 1997. It feels like 1997. Yes. Like they are wearing like high rise khaki shorts with their button down shirts, like tied into a little knot. Like mm-hmm. they're wearing their hair. Necklaces. Mm, yes. necklaces. Their hair looks like everyone looks like um, Rachel from Friends. Like it's just <laughs> it's that great. is the vibe. Yeah, it's a real time capsule. God. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet, so you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Wow. I can't wait. Should we get into it? Let's, Let's do it. Let's get into it. So it opens with like this scrolling text that was really hard for me because it talks about <laughs> anacondas and what they're capable of. It says they can get up to 40 no, feet, wrong. which is completely no. Like the, the biggest anacondas out there may be like 20 feet long. This says 40. So they just decided to double it. Double it. Uh, <laughs> says they, they're like the only snake species that likes to regurgitate its prey just so it can eat it again. 
also inaccurate but <laughs> important for the movie that is going to be an important okay. plot point um great so that was hard for me that was probably the hardest part of the movie was the opening <laughs> rolling script it's hard to just see it printed as fact it's, yeah, as opposed as... to like taking creative license right and of course when i saw this as a seventh grader it was like i'm writing all that down i'm like mm-hmm. absorbing it Sure. Yes. So it's irresponsible. It is irresponsible. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So then we go to like <laughs> these kind of sprawling views of the Amazon basin. There's opening credits. There's some wonderful pan flute music playing in the background, <laughs> yes. um, which of course is always playing when you're in the Amazon. Uh, we see a stranded boat and I didn't realize Danny Trejo was in this movie. And then I realized he was because he's in this stranded boat. Um, there's captured animals going crazy in all these cages. He's obviously like visibly nervous. Um, and then all of a sudden the floorboards kind of start exploding. Uh, there's a real good slow-mo like view of a nail shooting up in the air and he like focuses on it. And then he crawls higher and higher in this boat. He goes all the way up to the crow's nest and you see like this snake POV circling around him gets right in front of his face and he pulls out his his handgun and kills himself because he doesn't want to be by the snake we assume we don't know we haven't seen the monster yet danny trejo the king of being the first to die in a movie like this danny trejo always is we just watched alien which no Predators? We just watched some Predator movie. Oh, I was yeah, like, oh, predators. he's in it. Nope, he's dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's truly the first. He's only in the first like three minutes of the movie. Like, and yeah. that's it. Always a strong presence, though. He was great a in this movie. A very strong presence. That's yeah. why you choose him. Because yeah. you're going to remember it. Exactly. So then we cut to um, to Jennifer Lopez. Her character's name is Terry. She's in a jungle hotel. She's looking at photos of um, some indigenous people on her laptop. And enters this kind of roguish explorer type he's got like dirt all over him and like ripped shirts and everything (laughs) and he sits down and they talk about um they pull out a map and they're like we learn they're looking for an uncontacted tribe in the amazon and she's a director on a documentary and he's like an anthropologist slash slash professor uh his name is steven i believe they don't you know i kind of like had to look up everyone's names on this movie because character development we're gonna call her j-lo the whole time anyway (laughs) you know it's It's like gonna be really hard not to just call her j-lo we can call her j-lo yeah that's true yeah when you have J-Lo, J-Lo and Ice Cube in a movie, it's really hard not to just yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. Exactly. So, yeah, they're, they're looking for this uncontacted tribe. The next morning, we meet the whole crew. Ice Cube is there. Um, they're, like, longtime friends. One of my favorite things about this movie is his first line is... Um, like today was a good day or something. It's one like it's like him saying you know one of his famous tracks, and I kind of was wondering if that's in his contract. Like I have to be able to promote my music it immediately. Must be. Yeah. It must be in his contract. God, that's funny. Like how uh, Vin Diesel can never lose a fight. It's exactly. like yeah, you can have me in the movie, but here the rules. Yeah. Um, so they're longtime uh, friends. Him and J Lo like grew up together. We meet Mateo, who's the captain of the boat. He immediately gives J Lo like this really lecherous look. He's uh, constantly just kind of uh, a guy in the background that seems very creepy. And then we also meet uh, the on-screen talent, who's Westridge. He's like kind of 
picture a British colonizer caricature. <laughs> That's him. He's got like big leather bags and like the flat hat and he's really mad uh-huh. at everyone all the time um, and very prissy. Mm-hmm. And this is this is played by Jonathan Hyde, who you guys would recognize in Heartbeat because he's was in The Mummy, mm-hmm. Jumanji, Titanic. He always plays the same like British, British colonizer. Colonizer character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's great though. He does a great job in this movie. Um so then we also meet Owen Wilson, who is Gary, and Denise, um the production manager, Owen's like the sound guy, and they're like immediately we learn that they're romantic because we get a real mm-hmm. horny scene of like a <laughs> leg stretched out and Owen Wilson talking about how the jungle makes him like super horny all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And mm-hmm. and I had forgotten how '90s movies were. <laughs> when, oh yeah. yeah, any opportunity for horniness, we're shoehorning it in <laughs> yeah. as much as possible. Yeah, it was immediate. Someone does a horny pass on the script after it's written. <laughs> like, we need twenty percent more there. horniness, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he blames the jungle. Uh, but anyway, sure. There's a big storm, and they find the stranded guy on a boat. And he's like holding some stuff over his head. It's pouring rain. He's yelling for help. So they pull up next to him and it's John Voight. And he is doing this amazing accent that we already (laughs) talked about. Um, Uh. And he says his propeller is broken. And these guys just immediately take that as a fact and are like, yeah, welcome aboard. Hop on our boat. Oh, God. Um, So he hops on. And so then we like cut to John Voight spearing a fish. Everyone's very impressed with him. He seems to be, you know, Mr. Jungle knows what he's doing. Imagine seeing John Voight and trusting him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? I know. I feel like if you were to give me the top 10 actors of like people I wouldn't necessarily want to be in a car with or on a boat with, John Voight's making that number one. He's in there. Yeah. 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 Especially him doing this accent. And the other thing that we can't really overstate in this movie the facial expressions that we get from John Voight, they're nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll do these really long cuts of just him like grimacing at the camera. You really all need to watch this movie because it's, yeah, it's truly I mean, amazing. It's honestly really fun. It's I'm already really like hundred percent on board. Yep. Okay. You're going to enjoy it. Um, I watched it with a friend and we just couldn't believe how many shots there are of John Voight grimacing at the camera. Um, <laughs> reaction shot after reaction shot. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so we learn that he's from Paraguay. He was going to be a priest, but he ended up in the jungle. Uh, he's very adamant that he's not a failed priest, but mm-hmm. he is now no longer down that, you know, that road. He's not being a priest. Uh, so now he catches snakes, which I think if you asked me when I was six what my job was, I would have said the exact same answer. I catch snakes. That's what I do. Snake catcher. Yeah. Um, so that's his new thing. They immediately call him out, say he's a poacher. He says he's not. Um, but then everyone's ears kind of perk up because he says, I know the tribe you're looking for. I know how to find them. So they're suddenly very excited that they brought John Voight on board. The only thing that I really need to point out is that throughout all of this, Jonathan Hyde, the on-screen talent character, he's brought a case of wine onto the boat (laughs) and he's drinking said wine from like crystal cut glasses. And he just keeps making like... He keeps making these like snide comments in the background, like with his little crystal glass. (laughs) Incredible. That is a fun detail. Yeah, it's great. 
Uh-huh. It's not relevant to the story whatsoever, but it just adds. No, it does. Kind of I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, okay. it, it matters. Okay, good to me. Yes. Yeah, so then we get we get a scene of Denise dancing, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's very sweaty. Sure. Everyone's always sweaty in this movie, mm-hmm. and we see that J Lo and this like anthropologist have a bit of a romance. They're talking about fireflies, which of course is always a good pickup line (laughs) (laughs) and they they have this romance and they kiss and you know that establishes that we've got a couple different romances on board we've got owen wilson and denise and j-lo and the anthropologist Um, sufficiently mm -hmm. horny yeah it's very horny yep there's a lot of sexual tension on this boat Mm -hmm. love it so then as this is happening we cut to the jungle and a jaguar, a black jaguar, gets killed by an anaconda. And we don't really see the snake, but we do see it kill the, the jaguar. It coils around it. It drags it off. And the camera zooms in on an eyeball lying on the forest floor. So, mm-hmm. you know, they kill jaguars in this movie. What are these effects like? How is this looking to us? this is still kind of the jaws part of the movie where okay. you're like not seeing Smart, like hiding the it. snake yep, yep. Mm-hmm. less yeah. is more yeah okay and the jaguar does kind of look like just a stuffed puppet that's dead for sure <laughs> with like eyes wide and mouth open like it's just not sure. definitely not uh feeling realistic yeah at all. okay they do use an animal actor for it at first for the Jaguar, mm-hmm. which is something I miss in movies. Cause anymore uh, it's always CG, but you know, we don't have to yeah. get into the ethics of animal actors too, because there's a whole, there's a whole Pandora's box. Why there. Do I want to get into animal yeah. facts. <laughs> um, quick fact for you then anacondas do not kill Jaguars. This is not something okay. that happens. Yeah. It would be the opposite. A Jaguar would kill an anaconda. And eat an that anaconda. makes sense. Yeah. Also, I feel like of all the things to swallow whole, there's a lot of sharp ends to that. Do you know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like yeah. that's just common sense. Yeah. You don't want those on your inside. No, that's a good point. Uh, this anaconda clearly wasn't thinking ahead when it no, killed this jaguar. And it did. <laughs> uh, so we go back uh, to the new scene. They're like on the boat in the morning. Ice Cube's playing some some music. Westridge is not a fan of whatever he's playing. Westridge is the um, Jonathan Hyde character. And uh, no one cares that he's meanwhile hitting golf balls into the pristine Amazon rainforest. Yeah, the whole the whole movie, he's just like hitting golf balls off the back of this river barge. Yeah, this is a very unethical film just crew. Littering they're fine with littering. They're fine with <laughs> yeah, coaching. Do not yeah, care at all. They don't care. Also, why did Ice Cube bring this massive stereo on this river barge in the remote Amazon basin? That exactly. car wasn't necessary. But <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, let's okay. leave uncontacted un- 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 tribes alone. Let's just leave them alone. We don't need yeah, to contact right, them. Right. Yeah. You know? The whole moral of the story here is this is bad, but that's okay. We're going <laughs> to yeah. put that aside I think they for may now. face some consequences. They will. There's going to be some consequences. <laughs> yes. Um, so they find a snake totem. Uh, it looks like one straight out of Disneyland from the Jungle River ride. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you saw it in the trailer. It's very basic looking. Um, but it warns them that there are snakes uh, in this part of the jungle. And John Boyd's grimacing at it. Uh, then mm-hmm. we cut to uh, John Voight talking about the significance of the totem. Uh, Stephen is the anthropologist. He calls him out on it. He's like, no, actually, that's a different tribe. And they kind of have this argument. And we learn, you know, these are two alphas that are on the mm-hmm. same boat. 
and there's not room for both of them on this boat. Mm -hmm, I think that's mm -hmm. made very clear in this scene. Um, mm -hmm. John Boyd's not happy that he's being called out. All right. So we cut to a night scene. Um, Owen Wilson and his girlfriend are going out to collect some jungle noises in the jungle. Um, John Boyd's grimacing at them. So we know something bad <laughs> is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> they head out. And as they're out there kind of making out, all the jungle noises stop. And all of a sudden, uh -oh. this unseen predator starts chasing them through the jungle. And as they're running through the jungle, all of a sudden, they look up and John Voight's standing there with his rifle and he shoots. And we cut to the boat. John Voight's walking through the jungle, dragging something. He throws a huge wild boar on the boat. It was about to kill Owen Wilson and Denise. And mm -hmm. he says a great line. He says, wild boar goes, for, goes with its tusks goes for the eyes, which is, I don't know, very, very basic, um, but pretty interesting. And then he also says that they have food for a week now, which was interesting to me too, that mm. they apparently didn't have food. Did, up until they not have food. Yeah. I think that they'd need food before. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he says, yeah, let's cut them up food for a week. We never see anyone cutting up that boar. I don't know who is equipped to cut up a boar. Yeah, they don't have any crew. food, but they have like butchering uh, instruments and materials and a, a cooler for meat. Uh, yeah, it's very. Yeah. So very unprepared if they needed to kill this boar for food. Um, <laughs> so the next scene, the boat's drifting through some trees and a rope gets caught in the water. And so the boat's stuck. And we need someone to free this rope from the propeller. Steven, who's the anthropologist, is the first to volunteer for this job. He throws on some scuba gear, hops in the water. He makes a remark about a catfish that swims up urethras. And he's yes. like, that's the one thing I'm worried about. That's a true critter that, that actually exists. Um, but it's only happened like once or twice. Wait, and it's but become a catfish the stuff is of big, urban right? legend. <laughs> They're just these little like tiny, tiny ones, tiny, tiny, oh tiny one. God. But they do. They have these little barbs. And if they swim up, your <gasps> reef, they, their barbs go out and they get stuck in there. Oh and when it did God. happen, the person had to like have their penis like dissected to remove this Holy catfish. Yeah. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. So that's that would be really bad. That it would be, be really bad. Really bad. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> but I think the key there is if you're swimming in the Amazon, just don't try not to pee in the water. Cause that's what they're like picking up on and they swim up there. So that's okay. the main thing. Yeah, Hot yeah. tip. Good to know. Wow. Yeah. Um, try. but okay. it's very uncommon. You're swimming the Amazon. Try not to pee. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he does. So he's, he's in there cutting the rope. There's this scene of JLo. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. She's like pulling her hair back. And she looks up and John Voight is just staring at her and grimacing. <laughs> oh, God. The craziest scene. It's so <laughs> on the surface. Like, he's the creepiest person. He has this little gray, like white gray rat tail. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he's, his face is doesn't is not making any kind of normal expression that a normal <laughs> face would ever make and he's staring so close and so directly at her and she's just like oh this is weird god i would want him off my boat so quickly yeah. like just get away yeah. she kind of just shrugs it off yeah she does what's our end game with this guy yeah. too like where does he need to get back to where did he come from does he have a home like well how how did he we're not asking enough questions about this guy's deal. They don't really explain it, but the idea is that he 
is like going to take them to this tribe that they want to find. Right, right, right. But then mm-hmm. as sure. they head there, they're like taking him back to wherever he's going to. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. It's not, again, <laughs> they're not very well fleshed out characters. Um, but he, yeah, I can't, I mean, I totally echo what Henley just said. Like it is crazy how inexplicably weird and like disquieting <laughs> his character is he's just constantly sweaty with this weird ponytail and it's very oh, weird yeah, yeah we're gonna have to post a picture of this grimace because it's yeah. it's good it's, it's perfect it's incredible yeah um so he like she seems unfazed by his attention but as this is going on steven runs into a problem you see him kind of like gasping for air as he's trying to free this rope from the propeller he comes Mm -hmm. to the surface and he's obviously like really struggling they pull him up on the boat and he's unconscious and mateo the captain comes down and opens up his airway and pulls a wasp uh, this big black wasp out of his airway he's like in his mouth there's a huge wasp in his mouth yeah yeah um, and Mateo just kind of is like fascinated by this. He doesn't seem at all concerned by the fact that this is going on. Um, so he's unconscious. He's been stung by this wasp. Apparently it's like a paralytic wasp. So he's Oof. in a coma um, and they put him in a room. And John Voight at this point does the, like the throat stab where he stabs him in the mm-hmm. throat and puts a little mm-hmm. tube in there so he can mm-hmm. breathe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Steven's like out of the picture. He's a, he has a breathing tube and he's in a different room uh, recovering from this wasp. A lot of uh, threats. D- yeah. I feel yeah. like this man needs to go to a hospital and not just be like boat stabbed by a freak. <laughs> yeah. like, boat stabbed <laughs> by a freak. It was an emergency. <laughs> it, yeah. it seems like dirty and nasty and get this man to a hospital. Well, you got to do, do that. They want to go to a hospital. Though, I feel yeah. like, right? That's their that's their new plan. You know, this changes okay, this okay. changes They're the plan. Like, this changes things. Yeah, got it, got they it, got now it. Okay. are like glad okay. to hear it. Yeah, and I I can't remember if this was like did John Voight put that wasp in his breathing regular? Well, so I think later it's implied that maybe he was. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. He he might have done that. He was implicated, yeah. and I okay. think that's yeah. because he knew that Stephen was a challenge to his kind of dominance on this boat so he mm-hmm. wanted to take him out of the picture yeah huge swing to take yeah crazy to me that he saves his life though i don't know why he would save his life he he should just let him die but he does yeah. Yeah. but i guess he, he wants to you know show that he's invaluable to the to the that's crew true. It's, a, it's a good you mm-hmm. know two two birds with that's one stone sort of situation yeah. and also mateo and um Sarone, John Voight, uh, they keep looking at each other. They keep being really <laughs> obvious glances between the two of them where they're looking at each other and sizing each other up. And that's just something to note for the future, that they're really okay. making eyes at each other a lot. Okay. They do. Yeah. Like in a in a horny way? Or <laughs> no, this one's not horny? It's, it's like te- I took me a second to figure out what was going on. Okay. Yeah. We'll find it's, out it's soon. Some, it, it's palpable. You get, mm-hmm. you get the feeling some. that they're in cahoots. Between mm-hmm. these hey. looks between each other, like there's a history it, between these two. They know yeah. each other. Okay. Yeah. Um, so another thing, another interesting note is this movie was filmed in Brazil. It's set in Brazil. There's an awful lot of Spanish spoken in this movie um, in a Portuguese speaking country. Something that yep. bothered me. I've been to Brazil. Um, people in Brazil absolutely hate it when you assume they speak Spanish. So there is a lot of that well, in this. They. They don't. They don't. No. And it's, in fact, 
the one country in Latin America where right. they're not speaking. It's like you could, if you really wanted Spanish, because that's somewhere else. If you really wanted Amazon, you could. Yeah, not go to Bolivia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, well. they now they decide to change plans. Uh, they have to take Stephen to a doctor. So they plan a route back and Paul, um, John Voight's character, Cerrone, Paul Cerrone. Uh, I, I do like all the names. All the names in this movie are very basic. It's like mm-hmm, Danny, mm-hmm. Paul, Terry, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Gary. Yeah, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Gary. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, Cerrone is his last name, right? Is that it? Yeah. Cerrone? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, he kind of tricks them into going this different way. He tells them like, you know, we should go back this different way. It's going to be quicker to get to help. And uh, even though they have some doubts, they immediately cave and just decide to trust this weird stranger that's on their boat. Mm. So next scene, they come into this wall in the middle of the Amazon. It's on the river. It's built of all this old wood and has all these plants intermingled through it. There's a few more of these snake totems in the wall. Uh, It's a very kind of um, ominous looking feature in the middle of the river. And Paul or uh, John Voight's immediately saying, okay, let's just blow it up. There's also a very weird moment at the beginning of the scene where he's attempting to eat a piece of mango. I don't know if you picked up on this. No, I and didn't. It, is just, it looks like someone who's never eaten a piece of fruit in his entire life. Like <laughs> it's all over his face. Yeah. And it's like, he's really struggling to do it. Um, I had a real, I like it backed it up three or four times to watch John Voight eat this piece of mango. So... He's used to only eating boar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Generally just boar for him, but you know, yeah. he got a mango, so he tried it. So yeah, they decide to blow up this wall. That's the only way they're going to get through it. Jonathan Hyde's character is like all for it. He's like, yeah, let's blow it up. Let's get through this wall. His name is Westridge. So mm-hmm. I think in my, my, in my notes, I call him Westridge. So that's what Perfect. I'm going to call him. Yeah. Um, so you get this POV of Gary going in the water, him and John Voight are going to set all these explosives, but there's definitely something in the water. It's slithering around. You don't really see it, but you see it's POV. You know, it's chasing them. Uh, John Voight pulls Owen Wilson up at one point and Owen's like, there's something in the water. And he's like, I know. So we, we know the snake is watching them. Uh, they blow up the wall when they do a million snakes rain down on this boat. Oh, <gasps> my Tons God. of little baby anacondas. <laughs> Just a million baby snakes. No. Yeah. Uh, Westridge picks one up and it bites his finger and we get this close up of it, like just biting Mine. the tip of his finger over and over again. Oh, my again. God. Yeah. And uh, and John Voight pulls it off and he's like so young, but so lethal, um, <laughs> which is another great line. <laughs> I guess John Voight is horny for the snakes. That's he loves yeah, that, the snakes. He yeah. loves the snakes. So are all the million little oh, baby yeah. snakes now in the water with them? They're all over the boat. Okay. They're okay. just like, and we're all kicking, where they're kicking snakes off into the water. We're clearing the, the boat of all these little baby snakes. Okay. But there's this is obviously a snake rich environment that yep. we're in. <laughs> yep. Snakes pouring out of the sky. I think it's at this point, first of all, I feel like people were not as freaked out about mil- the millions of snakes being on the boat as they should have. I mean, there was a momentary like sh- shock and surprise, but um, there are tons of snakes now hanging out on your boat. And that's not a pleasant experience at all. Yeah. At some point in this, we discover that they only have 100 kilometers of fuel left. So somehow they've already almost run out of fuel. They were so ill prepared for this yeah, trip. Yeah, the, the fuel in the explosion, it, like three or four barrels of fuel mm, fall off the boat. Okay. 
Right. Oh. Yeah. 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 And then they're like down to one barrel. So they're like, okay, we're, you know, we're up a creek God, without a damn. paddle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's scary. Uh, one thing too, about these snakes that we should mention the big ones and the baby ones, they all scream. Like they all kind of make like, like a weird velociraptor noise whenever they open their mouths. Which isn't something snakes do. I was going to say, do any snakes <laughs> yeah. do that? No, snakes do that. Snake no. make a noise before. They'll hiss or well, they'll, yeah, hiss, you know, hiss. some snakes rattle, but that's about sure. it. That's really the yeah. only sounds they you get scream. from snakes. They don't scream, but every snake in this scream. movie does scream, um, <laughs> which is a great touch. Add it yeah. to the list of an ever growing list of inaccuracies. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so they have lost their fuel. Um, Paul or. John Voight's character now completely assumes control of the boat. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone kind of almost accepts at this point that he's in charge. We get a shot of him in the bridge of the boat operating the controls that really reinforces that for us. He's in charge of the boat now. There's a really heartfelt moment between J-Lo and Ice Cube. There, I would say Ice Cube's at this point the most likable character in the movie. Definitely. You can tell he doesn't really want to be there, but he is the most likable person. (laughs) Uh, All right. So the boat then stops at another wrecked boat. Um, John Voight gets in there in the water with Owen Wilson and Mateo. And um, no, sorry, it's um, Mateo and Danny Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. So the three of them go to the boat to try and figure out what's going on in this Mm -hmm. boat. Mm -hmm. And when they get in there, they find this newspaper clipping that shows John Voight Mateo and Danny Trejo together and they're all holding a big anaconda and John Voight immediately tears it off the wall and like stuffs it in his pocket or something so that Danny doesn't see it. Ice Cube's character. Okay. He doesn't see it. Okay. No, he doesn't see it. No, we know the audience now knows what all those looks were about between Mateo and John Voight. They have been working together. And they, on this boat, they collect like a bunch of stuff for catching snakes. We don't know that at the moment, but it's like explosives uh, like hand grenades, all this Great. stuff. That you definitely don't need to catch a snake, but John Voight's character does in this movie. We're going back to the original boat now. Uh, John Voight and Danny, Ice Cube's character, ahead. Mateo's kind of lagging behind, and he trips and falls into the water. And as he comes up out of the water, our anaconda finally makes its like full appearance. It's a CG anaconda. It strikes <laughs> at him, wraps him up. And um, then does this really slow kind of mouth open towards his head uh, move that, it, you know, this, the snake has a flair for the dramatic. It really uh-huh. wants us to see. Milking it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So that's really our first big look at the anaconda is when Mateo dies. Am I missing anything here? No, the the thing to focus on is that with these snakes, they are twirling their victims like they are getting twirled up into the air wrapped up by these snakes and there's like something... a hose that's gotten yeah loose. <laughs> yeah but it's also like very um it's just weird to see because it's like kind of scary but it's also just kind of like what is it doing like it's yeah. i don't know it's just looks very fake honestly just extremely really putting on a show extremely fake <laughs> yeah it's way too fast too and that's like quick animal moment here uh, the Love snakes it, in this movie are extremely fast moving. They're very, it's like indicative of what you'd see in a venomous snake, like a, a pit viper, a rattlesnake or a cobra or something like that. Um, they tend to be really fast moving snakes, but these big constrictors 
can strike out really fast still, but their entire body doesn't move very fast. They're carrying a lot of weight. So anacondas are mostly aquatic and they can move through the water really fast, but once they catch something, they're going to be like slowly squeezing it. Um, and I, I, like now that we're on this, I do just want to mention, uh, I think there's like this, um, misconception out there that when you're being constricted by a massive snake, what's happening is that you're suffocating. And what it really is, is that it's either, if it's just kind of squeezing you pretty tight, it's shutting off blood flow to like your heart and to some of your major organs. So you actually die of cardiac arrest or if they really get you really hard and they really squeeze you tight, it pushes all the blood up to your brain and your brain actually like shuts down because of that rush of blood to your brain and you die of, of like, nervous system failure whoa oh my god yeah. so Holy it's not shit it's not like you're you're not able to breathe it's like it's shutting down all of the organs in your body that's what they're doing holy so, shit that's insane yeah, yeah, it's, pretty it's cool. also crazy to think of a body as like if you press hard enough in a spot all the blood moves somewhere <laughs> else like, I really don't I don't like what that means about like the way our body I'm functions I'm trying to gauge yeah. if that's better or worse than suffocating I don't know suffocating seems pretty scary to me and you know how I don't know I've pictured freezing to death as maybe being kind of nice because you maybe lose I don't know. You lose all your all your feeling, and so maybe if all your blood is being rushed to your brain, you like feel it less than if you're suffocating. I'm maybe. curious. Anyone yeah. who's died both ways, let us know. <laughs> 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 Which one was worse? Okay. So and so also so so not so like a an anaconda or a boa constrictor. They're not venomous with no. their bites because the way they kill you is constricting and then they eat you. Right. So if yeah. you get bit by one, it just hurts. Yeah. But it's not gonna be poisonous that was the other thing i was gonna say is they have like really needle-like teeth and they're backward facing so it looks like fishing hooks almost Whoa. and they face backwards that's not what i pictured i'm learning so much I love this. <laughs> so when they latch on to you this is any constrictor like a python or a boa or an anaconda those those teeth are for latching so when it bites you it like really latches on so if you ever do get bit by one of these snakes the last thing you want to do is try and rip off its head because that those teeth again are like facing like this so it rips out all the flesh yeah and so you just need to let that snake release its grip on its own or force it to somehow but you don't want to rip it off Because their bites can be really devastating. They cause a lot of blood loss, too. So Similarly to not wanting to rip the catfish out of your urethra. Exactly. No, we're not ripping. We're not ripping anything. Don't rip. No. Yeah. So they are. They're a really cool predator. They have all these really cool adaptations, but... um, but they don't hunt humans. Yeah. We're too big okay. for them. And they don't yeah. eat okay. um, jaguars. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. It's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. In general, we're just too bony too. Like where you have too many bones, our bone to like to fat and muscle to, ratio yeah. isn't enough for most animals to really consider us a food source. And mm. that's the same for these guys. It's just. Uh, okay. So that not. goes against my idea of bulking up so I don't get eaten by a snake. Stay trim. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> you gotta be right in that sweet spot. Oh, you gotta get that sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's, that's kind of a diversion into a little bit of biology. I think there's, I probably have some more coming up, but they're not as fast as this movie would have you think, Uh, at least not like moving their full body outside of the water. Okay. So Mateo's dead uh, Mm -hmm. and they're kind of wondering where he went. Ice Cube turns around. He finds his flashlight. 
Mm-hmm. We all know that was Mateo's favorite flashlight. He would never leave it behind. Oh, so, no. Yeah. <laughs> so we know he's gone. We know that something has happened to him. Uh, immediately back on the boat, John Voigt unrolls, unfurls this massive on anaconda skin. And everyone's shocked. And they're like, wait, there's snakes this big out there. And he explains that, you know, that's why he's actually in the jungle. He's there to hunt a massive anaconda. And JLo says, oh, snakes don't eat people, which she's correct in saying that for the most part. Uh, And John Voight's like, oh, they don't. And he points to the scar on his face, which to me, like, he's still there. You know, it didn't still doesn't prove anything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Pretty poor. So they bite people, but they don't eat people. Um, So his goal is to catch the snake. Um, Everyone thinks this is a pretty bad idea, aside from Owen Wilson's character, Gary. He's all yeah. in. This is a real character development in the movie. This is the essential character development. <laughs> it lasts for approximately seven minutes. Exactly. <laughs> but uh oh, by Owen. <laughs> um, but basically, he hears part of the reason why he wants to catch. So John Voigt's character wants to catch this snake alive, so that. I guess it's worth millions of dollars and he keeps saying it's worth millions of dollars. And Owen Wilson is very intrigued by that idea. And that's enough for him to essentially like abandon everything else that he's been working on, um, including like turning his back on Denise uh, so that he can support and follow John Voight's character in this mission. Yeah, wow. this is an instant change too. Like there's he's instantly in the second he hears one million dollars. His eyeballs turn to big dollar signs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's even like carrying a rifle at this point to like yeah, because there's mutiny when everyone hears about this. Um mm. John Voigt like fire fires a shot at Ice Cube's character. Ever at this <gasps> point, there's a big division between uh John Voigt's snake catching group, him, Mateo, and Owen Wilson, and then the rest of the crew but they have the guns and they kind of have the know-how. So they're still in charge. All right. So they decide that they're going to go ahead and try and catch the snake. Um, we get this really sinister shot of John Voight filling a dart with like some ketamine. <laughs> it says on the thing. Yeah. It says just in huge letters on the thing, reptile tranquilizer. <laughs> so you really know what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> So we see him doing that and um, like the snake hunt is on. He's out there on this like massive crane looking kind of fishing line thing on the boat. And there's people on lights shining him around and he kills a monkey for bait at one point. I think maybe I skipped over that, but he shoots a monkey and then you see this fishing line in the water and John Voight's manning this massive kind of mechanical fishing line. And as he's doing it, the line's kind of moving back and through the water and he's slowly reeling it in. And we have this tension of him fishing for this giant snake. And the snake starts whipping all around. I'm guessing this is the shot that we talked about in the trivia where the snake was kind of malfunctioning because this big animatronic snake is like mm. whipping through the air. Yeah. But this is where the crew kind of gets their first view of how big the snake is. They're supposed to shine lights in its eyes, but the snake breaks free. It comes back for revenge. It spits its monkey out, which hits Jonathan ah! Hyde's uh, character in the face. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> which tells us the snake has a good concept of comedy because it uh-huh. knew exactly yeah. who That's pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> to, to regurgitate in a way that you could use as a projectile at somebody, that's pretty that's funny. Right. And it, it knew the best target for that monkey, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So chaos ensues. Denise gets knocked into the water. Owen Wilson jumps in to rescue her and to redeem his character. He does. He manages to get her out of the water. And just as he's crawling back out on the boat, the snake grabs him, pulls him into the water, wraps him up. And then we see as he's still breathing, it, it takes him off into the jungle, into the water. It's a pretty scary. It's the first scary scene in the movie. Uh, and it's the first character that we actually care about that gets killed by this mm-hmm, snake. Yeah. Um, but luckily he redeems himself right before it kills him. Terry, uh, or sorry, JLo's character, Terry, uh, takes it. <laughs> we're just going to call her JLo, takes a yeah, shot at his snake. But um, John Voight like pushes the gun away. Is like, no, we need it alive. And mm-hmm. then um, we see the snake underwater. And there's this clear impression of Owen Wilson's face against its skin, which is uh, another amazing shot in this movie. Oh my <laughs> God. And he's making like a sad Owen Wilson face. He does have a pretty recognizable bone structure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, you would know. You, can you would absolutely see know. His bro- we all come home after a long day of work. And what's the first thing we do? We take off our bras because they are uncomfortable and constricting and we're just ready to get out of them by the end of the day. Well, what if I told you that Skims has changed all that? Skims has done the impossible and created an underwire bra that I actually forget that I'm wearing. I didn't think anybody could do it. You guys obviously know how much I love Skims. I have tried many of their other products. I've never been disappointed, but I, yeah, just don't normally love an underwire bra. I prefer a bralette, but I've loved everything else I've gotten so much that I thought, you know what? Why not try an underwire bra from Skims? Let's just see. And they did it. They did it, folks. They created my favorite underwire bra I've ever worn. I have the weightless scoop bra. It has this nice like mesh material that's supportive and comfortable, breathable, but still very sexy. And yeah, like I said, I I do genuinely forget that I'm wearing it. And that is very rare. I, you know, I'm a broken record over here. I love skims. I love skims. I'm sorry. That's just the, the cold hard truth. I will shout it from the rooftops because I want everybody to know. I want everybody to share in my joy and my comfort. So shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you after you place your order, select podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Broken nose in the, yeah. in the snake's coils. Oh my God. <laughs> so everyone's really sad. Westridge stands up to John Voight. He gets slapped back into submission. Ice Cube's mm-hmm. not really intimidated. Uh, we see again, like the snake swim off. And then we cut to um, JLo pulling this kind of honey trap move where mm-hmm. she goes into the bridge with John Voight and she's being like very seductive. She's mm-hmm. telling him how much she needs his help, how he's this big, strong kind of rescuer. And as she's seducing him, he looks up and sees this mirror and he sees Ice Cube sneaking up behind him. And he, yep, he turns around, he like knocks Ice Cube away. 
he kisses JLo again, even oh, though the, uh, the, the jig yeah, is up kiss. at this point. Yeah. This is the grossest part of the movie, it's probably. Uh, the JLo John Voight kiss is not yeah, Hopefully she got paid a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she did. Oh, I didn't like it. No, it's very gross. And then he, like the second kiss, especially because at that point, like she's not trying to seduce him anymore. Yeah, and, and he kisses yeah, her again. Yeah. And then, but what we didn't see was Westridge uh, coming up behind him the other direction and he nice. knocks him out with his golf club. So John, there Boyd we go. that's out. why he's golfing. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Check golf clubs golf make club. an appearance. Um, <laughs> so he's tied up then. Isn't this also when he reveals like that it's all a setup or that he was like, do you think that this all wasn't a setup like Mateo, the shipwreck boat? Like, I think so. Or maybe yeah. JLo oh. says that. Um, that makes Rashad sense. accuses him of setting up the entire thing. And that's then, the next scene. Yeah. Oh, it's the next scene. Sorry. Yeah, that's, no, no, it. that's it. No, that's right where that's right where we were. Yeah. It's just they tie him up and he kind of spills the beans on everything. Like mm-hmm. he's tied up on the, the bow of this boat and he's telling them that like everything was a setup. He's been using him the whole time. And JLo says like, well, I can catch this snake too. And so now like. They decide they're going to try and catch the snake, even though. All right, Jill. Yeah, yeah. But they're trying to get to help as well. Um, so they we have this moment between Westridge and Ice Cube where he's teaching Ice Cube how to drive the boat. Um, they have this really great bonding moment where they're complaining about like L.A. traffic together, which is <laughs> yeah, a very strange scene in the middle of this movie. Uh, turns out, though, that he shouldn't be driving the boat because he immediately runs at a ground. Mm-hmm. Oh god. And John Voight's thrilled by this and they come up with this idea to like attach these ropes to to free their boat. And so Ice Cube, JLo and Westridge all get in the water to carry out this plan. And uh you know, we still got a snake in the water. So yeah. As this is happening, Denise, who is still just distraught over Owen Wilson's death, she sure. goes to try and kill John Boyd's character, which um, is a good move. One of the first smart moves. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> she has a long knife, like a fillet knife, and she goes up Ooh. to him and she's she makes the, the mistake of staring him in the eyes before she does it. And he tells her that's a mistake and she loses her nerve. And right when she does, he does this weird kind of acrobatic <laughs> move. It's crazy. You, yeah. you guys, ahead, I just want a gif of this. Yeah. I mean, I just want a, a gif of it that we can just repeat over and over again. Somehow he's tied up. He's sitting on the ground. His hands are tied behind his back. Somehow he like must use his core muscle to leap <laughs> like legs first into the air, legs straight up in the air, grabs <laughs> Denise by his thigh by the neck (laughs) pulls her down with him and then strangles her with his Mm -hmm. thighs on the ground yeah oh my god God. jack knives up into the air like like butt first (laughs) to get her it's and i don't know how hands are tied like behind his back the whole time the uh-huh. whole time That's it so doesn't funny. make any sense he grabs her with his thighs strangles her with his thighs yeah. mm-hmm. can't think of a worse way to die incredible than being strangled yeah, that, by i don't want to die by john's <laughs> thighs <laughs> and then i take the snake he pushes her into the water and J- meanwhile j-lo ice cube westridge they are too focused on fixing the um, boat and have no. not noticed that denise is dead 
Oh, he also throws her into the water with his thighs? Yeah, kind of he, pushes he, her into the like, water. He like uncuts himself with the knife too. Oh, but yeah, wow. I think he pushes her with his legs into the water. And they hear the splash and they like turn around, but she's already disappeared beneath the waters. <laughs> but yeah, they, they wow. don't even notice oh, any of the struggle. So then Damn. Ice Cube sees some grass moving. He realizes the snake is coming. It chases them through the water and him and J-Lo get back on the boat. They're like on the boat. And then Westridge decides he needs to distract the snake, even though they're already both safe. So he starts like splashing and yelling and he climbs up this waterfall and he's kind of slipping on the waterfall. And as he slips, the snake like lunges out, grabs him midair. But as it does this, it causes this tree to fall and the tree falls on the boat and um, I think dislodges it. Westridge dies from this fall, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. he ends up being a really great character, even though he's kind of the worst character at the beginning um <laughs> yeah so he jumps off the waterfall and then john voight is like threatening he's fighting with uh, ice cube and j-lo and as he's just about to kill them i think steven was waking up oh. and then um they're all fighting and and the snake like the body of denise rises to the surface right as the snake like shows up again it's this kind of jump scare and then somehow J-Lo managed to shoot the snake in the head a few times, killing it. Mm-hmm. So, or at oh. least we assume it's dead. Uh, I feel like I'm missing something here, but I can't. No. There's a lot of stuff happening right Does now. Does Steven still have like a pen in his throat or whatever? Or no, it's just kind of He wrapped. just has like a bandage over a bandage his, throat, his throat. And he's definitely still very, very sick, but he's like made it. He's like summoned the strength to come out and help in this one moment. And wow. so J-Lo shoots the snake three times in the head. The snake kind of like falls back into the water and John Voight is distraught. I mean, he's so, so deeply upset that his precious his little baby snake, bucks. his million bucks, but also he's horny for the snake too. I mean, it snake. goes beyond. Yeah. Money, you know, oh, right. One has to imagine that even dead, this big, big old snake is going to earn you it something. It should be worth some money. Yeah, it absolutely should. So he screams out, "You killed my warrior snake!" And he's aiming. I thought you were to say wife. <laughs> you killed my wife. <laughs> you killed my wife. <laughs> that would have made this movie would have been so much more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, you find out it's his wife, it's his legal wife. <laughs> we were married in the Amazon basin. Um, oh. So he has his gun aimed at J-Lo. And this is when um, the anthropologist character, uh, he, you know, is has awoken from his slumber and he <laughs> tranks Jonathan Voight in the back, who then falls in the water. Jonathan Voight. <laughs> Jonathan Voight. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Jonathan Voight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're towards the end of the movie, so we need to start calling him by his full he's name. Um <laughs> so he falls in the water he's been tranked but i think ice cube mentions it he's like oh the dart fell out though and we see the trank dart like floating in the water so i guess the dart fell out which well, is how does this work i was gonna say don't they work like instantly <laughs> yeah so they either you you either get that drug or you don't like so some of them mm-hmm. do um some of those darts, when you fire them from a gun, they have like a, an actual charge in there that goes off like a little explosion and mm. it shoots all that drug into the body. 
Yeah. Um, so they actually have to be fired from a gun to work. And then some of them are just kind of like a mechanical thing where if you hit something with it, the drug will go in. So you either like get it or you don't, it's not generally like you get a little bit, but then if it falls out, uh-huh. you know, yeah. <laughs> like t- yeah. time spent in contact with the body, yeah. it doesn't really, it's not slowly trickling in from that dart. So sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, just, just another inaccuracy mm-hmm. that we're going to mm-hmm. yeah. put on our list. <laughs> They're not concerned. They're not concerned. I'm not a fun person to watch these kind of movies with, but Uh, honestly, I completely disagree. This really adds a lot of depth to my understanding of this movie. In in the world of this film, uh, we understand that Jonathan Voigt has only got a little taste of that tranquilizer, just enough. Just a little teeny bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But he does disappear. We don't see him Mm -hmm. anymore after that. Um, okay. So then we cut to the boat being unstuck. They're mobile again. They find this huge abandoned building looks like maybe a mining building or something. Um, and we get a snake POV. So we know that we still got some snakes out there. Uh, we even hear some hissing and they walk into the building and they're kind of doing this weird walkthrough and looking around. They're looking um, for fuel because they're yeah. still out of fuel. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, they find a big snake skin. So they now know that there's still some other big snakes out there potentially, and they find some fuel, but just as soon as they find it, they turn around and John Voight's there and he knocks them both out with a single blow from his rifle somehow. Yeah. <laughs> we see one blow and then the next hits scene. Hits one head, yeah, one head hits exactly. the other head, a real domino effect. <laughs> uh, next scene, they're tied up and the scene opens with like this little monkey hand and you see it dripping blood into a bucket. Um, it's very clear and John Voigt then picks it up and he throws it on them and he like says it's monkey blood. So in case you didn't realize from the dead monkey, <laughs> John Voigt makes it very clear that that's what's on him now. Um, he loves killing monkeys. Mm, so, okay. uh, he then walks over to this like pile of powder and he says, this is human bones. And he says, this is how they come out of the snake. Also not true. I don't think I need to say <laughs> that. Such a funny line. He goes over, he scoops up the powder dramatically. He like waves it at the air and he goes, see this human bones, ashes to ashes. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, like, I like what? to imagine that there were no scripted lines for John Boyd's character. And he's so. just playing it fast. Wait, and wait, this is a really important. I forgot to say this in the trivia, but I need to I need to say it now. Do you guys know who? OK, the writers of this film, any guesses for the other film that they are known for that they wrote? There's really two big ones. Um, as a reminder, their names are Jack Epps Jr. and Jim Cash. Ring no any idea. bells? No. No. You guys, they wrote Top Gun. Whoa. <gasps> They're known for Top Gun and Anaconda. Those wow. are the two films. Isn't That's that crazy? Incredible. Yeah. Fascinating. That's funny. Huh. That's interesting. Well, maybe I love Anaconda. <laughs> I have no, no connections except maybe like a crew. A crew is in both, both films. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, that, that like might be about... It. The writing in Top Gun is just leaps and bounds better than the writing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but, it truly is. Yeah. It truly is. Snakes weren't their thing. No, no. I guess. Um, okay, yeah. So the powdered human bones, which again is probably my favorite part of this movie. Um, and then we have the POV of something coming down from like the rafters of this building. And we get both a CG and a practical effects snake at this point. And it's it's obviously smelled this monkey blood that John Void has spread over our two heroes. Um, it's trying to get them 
and it's kind of, you know, stumbling around, not able to get them. <laughs> so, uh, they get away. Is this the same one that was shot in the head? It's this not. is our same. I don't think so. I think it's a snake that's like twice the size of that other snake. Yeah. I think it's oh my God, It's even bigger. It's like yeah. a big, big snake. Yeah. So the females wow. are bigger in anacondas. So I think this is supposed to be our female and maybe mm-hmm. the other one is supposed oh, to be our this male. This is his wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's chasing them around. They're about to get away, but John Boyd cap- catches them in a net. And then <gasps> he tries, he has this tiny little crossbow that he's trying to shoot the snake with to sedate it. Uh, he manages to miss. And then he climbs up a ladder. And as he's climbing up, the snake like shoots up and grabs him by the shoulder and pulls him down. So it's got John Voigt. Um, it knocks over some fuel while it's doing this, but he almost escapes. And then John Voigt's like almost escaping and Ice Cube like catches him in the net somehow. And so then the snake grabs John Voigt and it crushes him in his coils. We see bones breaking in his face while this is happening. And then there's a really actually kind of cool shot where it starts like he starts going down its throat and you see this inside view of the snake's throat as John Voight's moving down it. Kind of like Nope, if you guys, you guys have seen uh-huh. early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he's being pushed down its throat um, and his face is all mangled and messed up. So e- that's, we think, you know, that's the end of John Voight. Um, it swallows him alive. It goes for uh, Ice Cube and J-Lo. We see a lot more baby snakes. There's like a here's Johnny moment where J-Lo's in a room and the snake like busts through the wall right next to her and it's like hissing and screaming. Um, so as it does that, the uh, probably the best scene in this movie, yeah. it regurgitates John Voight. Uh, we <laughs> yep. know it does that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's covered in like snake goo and he's like on his knees and JLo's screaming and she looks at him and he winks at her. <laughs> <laughs> so he manages to do one more creepy thing right before he then falls over his, and dies. His like bones are all destroyed mm-hmm. and he winks, he winks as his final her. act. <laughs> he's been inside of a snake. He's covered in snake goo. His body's like deformed and Incredible. he still manages oh to wink. So I should, I should say really quick on our podcast, um, you know, we talk about animal attacks and after every story we have an, we have this scale called the anaconda scale where we <laughs> rank our victims in the actual stories by like how they act with characters in the movie anaconda. <laughs> so like, yeah. So like if they were the brave hero, they're either like a JLo or an ice cube. If they did something really stupid or maybe villainous, like they're a John Voight. And so we mm-hmm. put them on this scale of characters. Wow. From anaconda. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's incredible. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. It was fun to rewatch this because we do actually talk about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So we're almost at the end of this. The snake has knocked over this fuel. Ice Cube manages to get a pickaxe through its tail. So he's kind of like pinned the snake down. Uh, Their new plan is to blow it up, but first they need to escape. So they have this kind of hatchway they're trying to get through. The snake is really trying to get at them, but they manage to blow up this building. They kill the, you know, we think they've killed the snake. They've killed all the babies, Um, but the snake's on fire. It's going through the water. At this point, I'm like, so the snake is just living in its home in the middle of the jungle with all its babies. These two Americans show up and torture it with fire until it dies. So, you know, I, I was really feeling for these snakes. They even yeah. tried to warn them with all these snake totems and walls and stuff. But yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, the snake is in the water. It slowly sinks away, but we all know that water puts out fire. So the snake gets we all one know last it. jump scare where it shoots up through the bottom of the boat. It does, it like knocks the floorboards away and Ice Cube shoots it and he calls it a bitch and it dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably also in his contract. Yeah. He has to say that at the end of every single movie. <laughs> The explorer, the Stephen, you know, the professor anthropologist guy, he wakes up, he immediately tells JLo how bad she looks. That, of course, works very well. <laughs> she hugs him and kisses him. The two are like talking to each other on the deck. And as soon as they're, this happens, like we, this uncontacted tribe comes out of the water and they see them and Ice Cube's like, get the camera and roll credits. That's the end of the movie. Oh <laughs> my God. Oh. My God. So it's a huge success. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Everything yeah. works out. No sound guy, no production manager anymore. No wow. on screen talent. But the camera survived the camera all these many explosions. And, yeah. and it's very, wow. it's extremely peaceful at the end. It's it like the, everything, uh, the whole tone it of the movie has changed. There's this peaceful. We're not mourning these many deaths. No, no we're not mourning the comes deaths. back. The pan flute oh, music is back. Then we get to see these beautiful shots of the river barge slowly going down the river. Do they have as the fuel? Sun sets. Mm, I, I mean, maybe there was fuel matter. at this house. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who cares? They did find fuel who cares? there. I don't know if whether any was salvaged after the massive fire they went through. But um, wow. I was just glad Ice Cube lived. I was really worried they were going to kill Ice Cube, and he was the best. I mean, I loved him he was. a yeah. lot. He's in great. This film. He was great. Yeah. So just him, wow. J-Lo, and the anthropologist guy survive all of this. So. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah. yeah I am I will be watching. It honestly <laughs> was yeah. pretty, pretty fun how outrageous it is. I'm seeing here in the IMDb credits, Frank Welker is credited as the voice of Anaconda. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The screams. I'm presuming that means he does the, the screeches. It does like a really high pitched, like back of your throat kind of scream. Yeah, it's very. I don't know. When I first saw that, I was kind of in the back of my head hoping that eventually the Santa Cana was. It was talking. I thought that when I I watched, I looked at the IMDb. Get out. I looked at the IMDb before before watching it, and I assumed I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a talking snake movie." Yeah. This is definitely like, a talking snake. Why movie. are you doing this to me? <laughs> I was having a nice time. Or just my home. Wow. Yeah. That was incredible. I I truly don't think we ever could have done this movie without animal expert advice. (laughs) Yes. Going hand in hand with it. This was truly perfect. Glad I can contribute that. You need to come back if we ever do another animal horror film. It's just simply not the same without having the insider knowledge. Especially if you do a bear one. Yes. Yeah. And Wes, tell our listeners about Tooth and Claw. Yeah. So Tooth and Claw is a podcast where we tell animal attack stories. Um, it's hosted by myself, my little brother, Jeff, and our friend, Mike. Uh, they're kind of <laughs> on there for color commentary and to ask a lot of the questions <laughs> that I might not think of. Um, so we tell these stories, but the whole point of the podcast is to be able to tell animal attack stories without demonizing the animals or without Mm. kind of making people more afraid of those animals than necessary to explain the behavior behind why those attacks happened, why it's often human error that leads the animal to do something. And then, uh, yeah, just to kind of 
be able to enjoy those kind of stories that we all love without, you know, hurting animals in the process. And we talk a lot about conservation too. So it's, it's been really fun. It's, we've done a couple dozen stories now. Um, it's yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun journey and, and we really enjoy making it. Oh man. It's, I will say I'm so fascinated by it. I, and I, it'll be, I like, I have so many questions about animals <laughs> um, now, but, I, but also I, your Instagram is too scary for me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Instagram page for tooth and claw is too scary. Yeah, That's fine. <laughs> Can't look. Yeah, you don't have to. Um, but wow. I mean, I, it, it's almost like true crime, but but better in that I'm like, I have to I'm like so fascinated to hear those stories. But oh, my God, there's like maybe nothing scarier on Earth than being attacked. by an animal. <laughs> yeah, probably. And that, and that was kind of like the, the point of it was to do a somewhat true crime podcast, but about animals. But it's been weird. We've had this reaction where people tend to have more confidence going in the great outdoors after hearing about it I would oh, believe that. Yeah. because they learn how to actually interact and how to actually respond to those kind of situations rather than just like not really knowing what you do. If you encounter a bear or a mountain lion or something, we're trying to teach people how you actually do uh, respond to those kind of things. So it's, it's had yeah. that effect. And we actually have had, we've, um we've had people that have been like bit by snakes that, um, information from the podcast is like save their limbs and we've had people Whoa. that have avoided bear attacks and like moose charges and stuff because of the podcast so it's been really neat whoa that's amazing oh my god it's a survival guide truly i mean whenever I'm, i feel like i'm out where i see people doing stupid stuff near animals it's like it's of course it's human error for the most like it's like yeah so i'm sure sometimes circumstantial just on like what's the animal's deal at that time but you see people do crazy things around animals. I was in the Grand Canyon and there were a bunch of elk. If there are elk in the Grand Canyon, big yeah. elk like probably game. maybe not yeah. elk. Big yeah, you know, probably horned. Um and it was a uh it was presumably a, a mom and some babies. And these tourists were like getting up close to the babies, like between the mom and the babies. And I and we were, I was like, I'm gonna watch people get charged yeah. by elk. Like they they are going to get attacked. Yeah. They didn't, but they maybe should have. Right. Yeah, it does. It happens all the time. And like it, the, the, the problem with those kind of interactions is it's always worse for the wildlife. You know, the, if an animal yeah. does hurt a person, it, they usually end up having to do something with that animal, whether it's mm -hmm. removing it or something. And so it's, it's really important that we realize that we share our planet with like a mm -hmm. lot of other animals and a lot of species and that they have this same kind of right to exist as we do. And mm. there's bound to be mm. some interaction between the two. And if you learn about those interactions and you're prepared for them, you can enjoy them. Like you can go out and see a bear and know that you're prepared and ready. And then you can actually like enjoy being around a really cool animal rather than being scared the whole time. And, and that's like, that's the thing that makes me happiest is when people can get to that place where they're comfortable in the outdoors and they can enjoy those interactions rather than being scared by them. Oh, that's a Lovely. Man, that's so cool. And we, we learned some great things here today. We know not I to learned pee in the a lot Amazons. Of we know not to <laughs> rip your head off don't when pee. you get bit. So yeah. don't rip. Um, don't rip things out. So we can go to the, to the Amazon in confidence. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry mm -hmm. about anacondas eating you. There's plenty mm -hmm. of other stuff there that can eat you, but anacondas aren't going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh this God. is incredible. <laughs> I, I've learned so much. 
this is I, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to Tooth and Claw and not look at the pictures, but I will. But I can. But I will right, listen. Fair enough. That's too. good enough for us. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Wes. This has been. Yeah, thank you for having me. so Amazing. much. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was really fun. I think we know what voice we have to do. Yeah. I didn't do enough of the of of the John Voigt voice. Yeah, what does he say? <laughs> what is the trailer? What was he saying? Uh, what is his? I don't even. I must No, that was not it. I am. I mean, I mean, it's just like we said. It's just that accent that is. Yeah, sort we can of, all just do whatever accent. Because what you just do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From always sort of sounds like Dracula. <laughs> from 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 all from all of us here. Too, here too <laughs> scary. <laughs> didn't watch. Didn't watch. Goodbye. 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 I don't know. know. I don't know what came out of my mouth, but that's sort of the point. (laughs) That's sort of the point. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really want to make our day, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want even more content, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. We will be back next week with a regular episode. We love you a lot. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.